It takes more than being good at inserting the USB plug right side up the first time to be a great engineer. (laughs) This is Soft Skills Engineering, episode 126. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host and person who has done it once in his life, Jameson Dance. (laughs) Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show for software engineers about non-technical topics. And we have a bunch of wonderful patrons who help support the show financially. We want to thank them because they're great. Um, We want to thank David Jackson, Dustin Coates, Ken Howard, Matthew, I did this last time. Dave, how do I pronounce this person's name? I think the correct way to mispronounce it is Wodowicz. Matthew Wodowicz, Nick Cantar, Sean Clayton, and Zach Grannon. If you want to be shouted out, if you want your name mispronounced or pronounced <laughs> correctly, maybe correct pronunciation is like the ultimate mega tier. Yeah, <laughs> you have to pay a lot of money. <laughs> Go to softskills.audio, click support us on Patreon. We will shout you out. And uh, we'll thank you very much. Thank you to all your help in in, uh, keeping the show going. Yeah, thanks very much. Should I read our first question? Please. Okay. Uh, This comes from an anonymous listener who says, One of my friends recently was hired at a salary $20,000 more than my own, even though we are at the same level. This caused me to rethink whether or not my company is paying me fairly and planted seeds for making me leave for something better. So the question is, how does one gauge average salary? Other than at, say, for example, Glassdoor.com, for one city, and should I interview for a higher salary and come back and ask for a counteroffer? How would I be viewed if I did such a thing? I'm assuming the friend was hired at the same company, not a different company, right? Yeah, I made that same assumption. Okay, it'd be weird if <laughs> my friend got a job <laughs> and they make more money than I do. Like, <laughs> Are they a nuclear physicist? <laughs> <laughs> they have the most difficult garbage truck route on the planet. <laughs> That's hazard pay. Yeah. (laughs) It's like on the Grand Canyon's edge. (laughs) Where there are all those garbage cans. Yes. (laughs) For some reason. (laughs) Right on the precipice. (laughs) That's only slightly more difficult than the job of the people who take the garbage cans out to the precipice of the Grand Canyon. (laughs) Those people get hazard pay, but just a little bit less. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So let's assume same company. I've had this experience before. I found out at the exact same company that I had a friend who joined and they made more money than I did. And they joined after I did. I feel like that's always how it goes. Mm. Well, I guess all one of the times this has happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> but but it seems like maybe later on the company is more mature, has more money, is more able to pay. There, there are a bunch of reasons why this could happen or they're just a better negotiator. But I did find out that they made more money than I did. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do it right that second. But when the time came to talk about um, raises and, and stuff like that, I used the number I found out from my friend. I didn't say, my friend makes this much. I want to make this much. I just used it to um, anchor what I asked for. Mm-hmm. So that worked out well because that company, I think, was pretty generous overall. And mm-hmm. they were pretty they were pretty informal about it. It wasn't like a defined review cycle with a set band for a specific level. And it was just kind of like, yeah, okay, you asked for it. It, it. it felt like it was like right on the edge of them being like, eh, okay, it's worth it to keep you happy. But I didn't have to go out and get another offer and it worked out. So that's that's like the best possible outcome of this, I feel like. I just found out like, oh, I can just ask for more money. And then I did and they said yes. And so you didn't have to mention that your friend was making more? No. Is that what you, you no, just used fact, it as your... To show how, yeah, to show how how like pampered I am. This came in a conversation where they were giving me a raise and they were like, we'd like to give you this much. And I said, actually, I really want this much, which was more. 
And then they kind of went away for a day and came back and said, okay. So like, <laughs> yeah, I think that was basically easy mode of this situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's possible. And so the, did they end up matching what your friend made? Yeah, yeah, okay. they did. So they brought you all the way up. Because I thought another way to have a nice equal outcome would be to go convince your friend to ask for a pay cut. Oh, to, okay. To match yeah. You. Yeah. Man, it's so true. Like, who cares? We just want to be the same or better. We don't care what the absolute number is, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, you make $5 and I make $4. All right. Time to make $5. All right, or four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the, whole, it's the whole keeping up with the Joneses thing, right? Yeah, exactly. There's two ways. You can either crush the Joneses. <laughs> Go take a sledgehammer to that shiny new RV in their driveway. <laughs> Look, now we both have broken, beat up vehicles in our driveway. Nice. Yeah. I'm just thinking, like, where? who's this boss? Like, if I were this boss, I would be sitting here going, oh, boy, I wonder when this person's going to figure it out. <laughs> like, I'm just waiting for that moment when you walk through my door. And you're like, so about my salary. Like, oh, yeah. figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think one thing you're noticing here is that in some ways salary is salary is loosely tied to the value you provide a company. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we like to convince ourselves it's directly tied to it, but it's there are all kinds of things besides like how much stuff you got you got done. Mm-hmm. And some of it is how you negotiate. And it's way easier to negotiate when you're sitting there in a job offer situation instead of when you already work there because the opportunity cost is a lot higher to like quit your job and go get a different job than to just not accept an offer. Yep. So you have you have more leverage at the job offer time than you do at the current employee time. Yes. I have actually, I've seen this as an argument for having fixed salary bans because since salary is also correlated with how well you negotiate. That's not really a skill that determines how good you're going to be at your job. And so it unfairly penalizes people that aren't as good at negotiating because they just won't ask for as much, so they end up making less. So to to create some more equity, some organizations will just say, like, at this level, you make this much. And maybe there's, like, a location modifier if they do remote or have multiple So it's not, a, it's not a band. It's not a range. It's a fixed number per level. Yeah, yeah. It's just, like... Here is the the number for this level of developer. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Joel Spolsky's company did that uh, back in the day. Fog Creek Software. There's yeah. There's a bunch of them that do it. I always wonder like yeah, but really like there's got to be someone. I, I, I guess then then the wiggling is like well, what level are you at? Not where do you fall in the band? Yeah, and you can negotiate for that too. Yeah. So once again, it pays to be good at negotiating. <laughs> Well, hopefully level is more tied to what you do at the job. But anyways, we have avoided answering the question so far. How do you gauge the average salary and what should this person do now that they found out that someone else makes more than them at the same level? Well, I'll tell you my tried and true way for gauging the average salary. And that is go out to websites like Glassdoor, which the listener mentioned, and salary.com and and things like that, and collect all the data you can and throw out every number that is lower than your current salary (laughs) and every number that's lower than what you want to make. And then bring that corpus of data to your manager and say, here's the average salary that I should be making. Do you really care what the average is or do you care what's possible, right? Uh, Like you you care what's possible, but you present it to your employer as an average. So they feel compelled to pay you that much or or, or else they're going to be, quote, below average. I learned last week that Linus Torvalds makes $1.6 million. So um, in salary. (laughs) 
so I guess if you like filter your Glassdoor searches enough, then you could end <laughs> up with one data point that's, that's Linus Torvalds and just, just say like, Just filter it to like 25 years of Linux experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I can't tell how much of a joke that is. You're saying you need some kind of data to back it up. Why not just massage the data? Oh, yeah. I mean, the thing is, this data is all garbage anyway, right? Like, yeah. I even if you go on Glassdoor, which is supposedly self-reported from individuals who work at that company, it's still like, it's crazy. When I look at some of those numbers, I'm like, it's not clear to me whether this includes a one-time signing bonus or whether this includes like a stock grant after the stock just went on a tear, you know, upward. Um, and so it's like, oh, look, a Google senior software engineer makes 400000 a year, right? Like, what exactly is that? You know, like, is that their base salary? Yeah, there's also some amount of bias in self-reported numbers where, especially if they're tied to people's perception of value in some way, if you ask people, they'll just give higher numbers. Mm -hmm. That shows up in, in, in all kinds of things, but definitely I think in salary. Like if I don't think I make very much money, maybe I'm less likely to go kind of like throw it up on the internet and brag about it. Absolutely. And there are actually um, companies that HR departments will buy their annual salary reports, which are in theory a little bit more vetted. Um, and my previous company bought that report every year to check that our salaries were at or above market. But the problem with that is that some of those reports, the, they aren't sophisticated enough to distinguish between things like IT help desk and like software architect. Like sometimes those get bundled yeah. into the same group and averaged together. Yeah, so you're doomed. None of the data can be trusted. <laughs> What do you do? We've talked about the salary game before. You just say, I'll tell you my salary if you tell me yours. And we promise no one will get mad, but we both know someone's going to get mad. <laughs> <laughs> someone's going to be bottling it in for a while. There's, I mean, there's an interesting thing happening here, which is I predict that you were happier at your job before you found this out. Yeah. Even though you made the same amount of money. And yeah. I'm not saying you should be blissfully ignorant and just take less than you're worth. But finding out unpleasant information about salary is kind of an inflection point and it can either affect your happiness if if you tie your worth to it which is really hard not to mm -hmm. or it can lead to this situation you're in which is like well i have to bump it up what do i do do i quit do i get another offer do i just go in and demand more what if they say no right like you're you're moving towards something where before you were not and the outcome is probably going to be more money let's be realistic no matter what happens <laughs> even if you quit and get a different job but yeah. like something's going to change. You, you've been shocked a little bit out of out of the, I don't know, it's not a rut, out of the comfort that you were in without knowing this. Yeah, for sure. So you, you mentioned earlier that you one time had this happen and you went to your manager and they matched the salary, even though you didn't have to divulge that you had, um, that you knew this private, this theoretically private information from this other person. I sure. have gone to management on a handful of occasions, maybe five or six times in my 15 or 16 years. And um, in situations where I really wanted a big raise, bigger than like the three, four, five percent that you might expect day to day or year over year. And only once in all those times have I ever actually gotten what I asked for. And I did it. Um, I think there were there were two differences that made it actually work. The first one was it was a startup company. So they had a lot more flexibility. Yep. That was what that was the case with my situation, too. It was a startup. Yeah, the bigger the company, the harder it is for them for your manager to go outside the the box. There's, that there's more other people to point to and say this person will not let me do it. Yep, yep. And there's more other people to point to who say no, no. We have someone here who works like you and looks like you and does what you do and makes less, right? Yeah. So 
there's that. So a big company hurts you in, in terms of these big spike pay bumps. And the other thing that worked in my advantage, I think, was I was actually able to cite a friend who had just gotten another job at a different company who never worked at this company, making an amount that was even higher than what I was asking for. And I think when you have a concrete example like that, um, it kind of puts the fear in your manager's mind that you might just go join that company with your friend. You don't have to threaten it. And I wouldn't threaten it. This is not blackmail or a hostage situation. But having like one concrete data point where you're like, this is someone who you may as well know working at a company that you're familiar with right down the street making more than I'm even asking for right now really helps make a good case. I think it's better than all the data massaging and salary.com reports and everything that you could find. Sure. There's one thing we haven't talked about, which is the case besides like, you owe this to me. It's it's like the I'm worth it case. So citing all the stuff that you get done and showing how the how you provide value. Ideally, yeah. that's something you're kind of doing already just to manage your career. I read this article recently that talked about keeping a, a hype list. That's basically just a list of everything cool that you accomplish oh, because cool. it's hard to come up with it on the spot. But if you go into a discussion like this and you have this list you've curated over the past year or whatever, it's easy to say, remember that thing that happened 11 months ago? Like we haven't had a salary discussion since then, Absolutely, but it's still relevant instead of say you go in and you say, I want 20K more. And they say, well, why? You're like, well, what did I, let me think through my pull requests in reverse chronological order. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Move this button. Uh, (laughs) So some prep there showing why you are of value to the company, I think could be good. What if they just say no? The question asker mentioned, do I go get another offer? I would not do that. I would not shop offers just for the purpose of convincing your current company to give you a raise. I I think there's some nuance there. I think if if you like the company, but you feel like they're not paying you enough, you can use it to say like, I want to be paid more. That's an important part of of my job for me. And if you go out and get an offer that pays more, you can, it it feels the same in terms of outcome, but it feels like a different mindset of like, this is a thing that would make me happy. I could leave or you could make it worth my while to stay here. And both of those are okay with me. Which one is better for you? Not like, not like threatening them. If you're going to quit over salary and that's the only thing, why wouldn't you give them an opportunity to let you stay if they think it's worth it? Well, I think I would I would approach that by telling them that before I go shop around for offers by saying, you know, I love this company. I want to work here. I want you to make it a little bit harder for me to say yes when a recruiter comes knocking, you know, or um, the salary is low and that's the only thing, that's the only downside here. Can you work with me? Rather than saying, yeah. I have this offer from your competitor or from the company down the street and I'm going to walk right now if you don't meet it. You know, I, it's hard to, I know you would never say it that strongly, but it's hard to so, to word that softly enough to not have that be the message that comes across, I think. Yeah, it still is. I mean, quitting is the ultimate leverage that you have over the company. Anything below that is kind of down to this agreement between you two. But the way that the, the the main leverage you have is saying like, well, I'll just go somewhere else. So I don't know that you have to threaten it, like Dave said, but I think it is a thing you could approach. And and yeah, maybe that's a thing you just say openly, like, well, I'm that that's disappointing to me that you wouldn't pay me that more. And that's an important thing for me in my career and, and for my happiness. Yeah. Okay. Have we answered the question? Question answered. How will I be viewed if I did such a thing? It's happened before to your manager, guaranteed. (laughs) And if you are the first person to ever do it, you're preparing them for when it's going to happen again. (laughs) They'll be fine. (laughs) You'll be viewed fine. People quit because of salary all the time. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
especially now where it goes up often if you quit. Yeah. You're not going to get this horrible reputation. Okay, next question. This is from another anonymous listener. I have been an engineer in the video game industry for 10 years. I've worked for four large game studios and each one, at each one, the story has been the same. Once it comes time to release our game, the crunch time kicks in. Often the need to work overtime is implied, but on my current project, the company president directly spelled out that all engineers would be working a minimum of 60 hours a week for at least six months. In the past, I've chosen to jump ship before it gets that bad, but I really want to see this project through to the end. We're all salaried employees, and so far we've received no compensation for our overtime hours. No comp time or anything. The only carrot that has been dangled is it will be taken into consideration during bonus time. (laughs) How much is reasonable to expect as a bonus for this much overtime? 10% of my annual salary, 50%, a firm handshake, and a swift layoff? (laughs) Thanks for any advice you can give. (laughs) How much is reasonable in this situation, based on that quote, I would say zero. (laughs) Would be very reasonable. As a frequent video game player and someone who has never made a video game, I feel totally qualified to talk about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they said I would not expect anything <laughs> from this company. <laughs> I, I know that it is common to get bonuses at the end of, of launching a game. And also it's common to just destroy your life and, and work what me what to me seems like inhumane hours to pump out a game for a long period of time, too. I've done crunch time, but it was maybe like a month at a time at most. Mm-hmm. It's like little baby crunch time. And this is like, you hear about studios crunching for years, right? Years of just like sleeping at your desk or Ugh. working seven days a week or I, I don't know. There's That sounds horrible. And I can't imagine an amount of money that would make it worth that. How about $1.6 million? Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> no, even though, I don't know. No, then I would live by myself in a very nice house and be miserable. <laughs> I wouldn't even live there. I would live at my job. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we talked about leverage in the last question. The one sad, the, the source of this in the video game industry is that it's one of the lowest leverage industries because so many people want to work in games. Yeah. Because so many people are into games and they would love to do it as a job. So there are lots of people that want to get into it. So I think that kind of depresses wages and results in these tougher working conditions because you can be replaced if you leave. Hmm. Not you, you're irreplaceable, oh, but like sure. <laughs> there's another person who wants to write to write engines for video games or whatever, you know, like it's technically interesting. It's cool. It's, it seems fun to, to some people. And I think that's the source of it. Yeah. So what, what percentage do you think is a, is a reasonable expectation? I have no idea because I've never done this, but I know if you just look at overtime law, it's time and a half. And so if I, I did some numbering i did some mathing <laughs> okay so you make 100 grand a year just to keep the math easy um there's about 2000 hours of work in a year if you do 2 weeks of vacation so that's about $50 an hour so then if you work overtime that'd be $75 an hour if you work an extra 20 hours a week for 6 months that's comes out to if i did my numbering right about $37,000 for that 6 months of overtime all right so that's about a 37% bonus. Sure. Yeah. If you just, I mean, time and a half is like the, I think that's the law for hourly employees who are eligible for overtime. So it's yeah. not like, I don't know, there's nothing guaranteeing this, but that's just a thing other people do. So maybe it works here. That's in line with the anecdotal stories that I've heard from friends who have worked in the gaming industry. But um, one thing to know about my uh, secondhand knowledge is that it's about 10 years old. And it predated the casual game industry that has just really blown up in the last five to 10 years, you know, especially the smartphone game, casual game. But like, you know, my friend who used to work at a big name studio developing games you've heard of, 
I want to say they got some pretty big bonuses. I think 37% would even be low for what they got. But did their boss say you will get these bonuses or did they say you must work overtime? Yeah, I think, no, I think it was actually like well understood that they would get X percentage bonus after the game launched. Huh. So th- this is from my foggy recollection from a secondhand story. So it was well understood and then it happened. Okay. Whereas the situation I read here from this question is we, we reserve the right to pay you nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what it sounds like. I mean, games are kind of like movies in that there are lots of flops and then some gigantic mega winners that make enormous amounts of money. So I could see it being sort of dependent on the performance of the game too. Like if the game does really well, then there's more revenue to spread around. And if not, then I'm sorry about the last six months of your life. (laughs) (laughs) But the one thing, the, the way that it's been phrased makes me suspicious that nothing is coming. It's just like, please work really hard. Yeah. Thanks in advance. Yeah. Yeah. And it could be that they're reluctant to make any kind of percentage promise because of what you just described. Like there's a good chance that their um, game will be like totally, you know, it'll be a flop. Wouldn't this stuff be part of your employment contract though? It feels like, I don't know, maybe that's only, again, I know all about pressing the buttons. I don't know about making them, but it seems like (laughs) maybe if you worked in the gaming industry, when you joined a studio, you would have some contract that said like bonuses, this amount based on revenue where you get, I don't know, based on our, our sales targets and how we hit them. Yeah, some some kind of defined thing. So it's not just down to like hoping this dude who got up and said, hey, you have to work overtime is going to be nice to you. So I have a story from a former coworker of mine who was about, Ooh. this probably happened about 15 years ago or so. Do tell. He worked for a big name studio and they were in a crunch time situation. And they, I mean, this guy was like sleeping under his desk and stuff. And apparently it was taking a toll on his wife and children and they were getting pretty frustrated with him not being around. And, you know, there's probably other things going on there, but there was a big promise of a bonus though. And sure enough, the game delivered, finally launched and the bonus did come through, landed in the bank account. He came home from work after the money had been deposited uh, and had found that his wife had changed the locks and served him divorce papers. So, <laughs> oh. Super sad story, but it's kind of like, I think it kind of highlights, you know, even if there is a big bonus at the end of this crunch time, what are you really working for? You know, like if, if the people in your life are suffering and, and uh, you're, you know, unhappy and unhealthy, in the end, that money can just slip through your fingers anyway, and you can lose all those relationships. So I'm not really sure that it could be the best thing, especially 60 hours a week for, what do we say, six months here in this question? Yeah. That's pretty intense. Well, I was just going to say that sounds mild compared to some of the other stories I've heard. There, there's some harrowing accounts and I don't know, this is all, I don't know how to answer, how to answer this question without it being through the lens of my own preferences, right? I, I would not enjoy working at a job that had crunch time and I wouldn't feel like it's worth it. And maybe the answer is different for you if you are really dedicated to the studio or the game or the product that you're building or whatever. But for me, especially if there was nothing written down that said, you will get this in exchange for this extra effort, then I, I would, I don't know, I wouldn't be there in the first place. Yeah. I've heard talk about uh, unions for game developers because, I mean, I, I hear it for software developers every once in a while in general, but it seems like game developers, because of these conditions where the, the, the work is a little bit tougher than in uh, other parts of software, it seems like it comes up more often. And I imagine this is part of the discussion. How do we handle crunch time in a systemic way? If you just know at the beginning, like, yeah, for 50% of the life of this project, we will have to do crunch time. And that's just built into how you build stuff that that just seems unhealthy. I don't know. 
Yeah. The other thing that stands out, you know, you mentioned that 60 hours is actually not that bad by comparison. Uh, what stands out to me is that, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with doctors and finance oh, yeah. folks and stuff. They work this many hours as a matter of course. That's a light week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Maybe 60 hours a week is the price you pay for working on something that is perceived as really cool. Yeah. Which is why there are so many people who want to get into it despite mm-hmm. knowing that's coming. Either way, for this specific thing, how much is reasonable to expect? It sounds like 50-ish percent seems reasonable based on how the game does. And then if this is actually happening, it it sounds pretty tenuous. I guess I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't either, especially that first sentence of the question. This person has worked in the game industry for 10 years for four studios and still is unclear about how these bonuses work. It's like... Maybe they don't work at all. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Maybe the norm is 0%. Yeah. Well, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> we saved the day. Yes. Congrats to us. <laughs> oh, good luck with your situation. I, I would love to know how it works out if that bonus ends up coming through. And if, oh, yeah. if you feel like it's worth it too, I'd really be interested to hear that. If you have a question that you would like answered or even some perspective on questions that we've talked about today or in past shows, you can go to softskills.audio and click the ask a question button. It says ask a question. You can leave a comment there too if you want. We won't be upset. Um, we really love seeing your questions come in. They make us think about things and often about situations that uh, that we haven't encountered, which are which are new to us. So it makes us grow as people. Thank you. <laughs> That was a very diplomatic way of saying it makes us speak from inexperience with the the authority (laughs) of a sage master. We're just talking from first principles, Dave. We don't have to know. We don't have to have experienced it because we have it figured out. Nice. The grand unifying principle of everything. Yep. Be nice. Be Dave. Those are the principles. All right. We will catch you next week. See ya.